0: Awesome. So first of all, thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning here. And I'll just want to give you a quick little background. So I'm doing a show, my first show as an apprentice on um, poetry and the revolution. And and it's really based on Audre Lorde's idea that poetry is not a luxury. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And so I really just want to get some local voices of folks who are kind of writing reality and other ways of being into existence. And I know that you're like a multidisciplinary artist and you do lots of things. You don't just do poetry, but, and I would love to focus on your poetry today if that's all right.
1: Sounds wonderful.
0: Okay, cool. Um, So I I suppose to start off with, um, I read that you said if you weren't doing art, you would be dying. And I'm wondering how poetry rolls into that
1: yeah so for me um, poetry is the opportunity to create the world I think so many times a, a lot of people have been trained um, as poets to reflect the world or um, kind of kind of uh, label what it is that that's happening which is which is part of poetry but I feel like poetry is the means to um facilitate a new way of understanding the self and then understanding the systems that need to be transformed so it's a way of of um yeah it's a way of creating instead of just labeling
0: awesome and um what is your origin story of becoming a poet
1: (laughs) i like to think everyone's born a poet Um, but I've, you know, I've always been a writer um, since I was, you know, this, since I was a child. So I have, but I have a, a roundabout way of of how I be, uh, came became comfortable enough to express my poetry um, in front of like a large audience. I come from the Los Angeles underground, um, DIY punks, uh, drag queens, um, uh, artist, you know, the DJs, the promoters, everyone that you could think of on the outskirts of, of, of society, you know, night rats. And um, I wasn't brave enough to do poetry, uh, but I, was, I had to create uh, Mimi Tempest as like a moniker in order to perform. I still have this thing for being on stage and expressing myself in front of people, um, but it wasn't until I went to Mills College uh, in 2018, I think, and, and I was, and I've been learning under Trong Tran, where I rediscovered a need uh, to express myself uh, creatively through poetry. So I, I've always been a poet, but I started off as an MC and a performer. And then I've transitioned all of that energy and and have alchemized it in the past three years to um, what I'm doing now. Awesome. That is very cool. Yeah.
0: Did you know Achia Bejas um, when you were at Mills or was she already gone?
1: I think she was gone. Okay. Okay.
0: She's a she's a poet too that was later that day and um, a friend of mine and um, she taught at Mills for a little while but she's not I know she's not there anymore, um, so um, I love it so I think it's cool to think about like underground and sort of like uh, being already in a redesigned environment that you're talking about and and I'm wondering how your poetry. Oh, wait, that's the phone. I'm just going to hang it up. I have a landline because I need it for my internet, but like no one calls except for telemarketers. Sorry. Okay, it's just going to be off the hook now so that that doesn't happen again. That's the first time that's happened. Sorry. Anyway, so I'm thinking about how, you know, alternate societies or, or communities that are not necessarily represented and systematically like institutionalized in our society, right? You're already doing that like with punk and underground and that sort of thing. And wondering how your poetry relates to that. I mean,
1: um, I, speaking of luxury, right? I didn't have, at least I didn't, and it wasn't initiated with the luxury of the academy. I think there's a certain type of training that um, a lot of academics, um, come in with and um, I just I, I came in swinging from the, from the mud. So um, that's how that um, correlates. I mean now I'm a part of the academy I'm at Santa Cruz uh, getting my PhD but I wouldn't say that my origin or um, how I was initiated into this work um, comes from that.
0: Mm. Yeah. For sure. And um, related to that, like how, how do you navigate sort of like the echo chamber of like who comes to poetry readings and who comes to the academy when you're in that role? Because you're like in multiple roles, right? At multiple times. And if we really want to describe the possibility of a new way of being, like mm-hmm. you said, how do you, how do you manage that in the, with the echo chamber so that we can actually, you know, make that happen?
1: Yeah, I don't think I've cracked that code yet. <laughs> that's, that's part of the work that I'm currently doing and, and currently figuring out. Um, but one thing that I do try to reinforce within myself is to show up authentically, no matter who the audience is. Um, if if Mimi Tempest showed up, that's for me, that's all that matters. And the echo chambers is going to do what it's designed to do. Um, but the, uh, groundedness and the stability of who I am and what I believe in is what's most important in those moments. Awesome.
0: Do you have any kind of ritual that you do before you read or, you know, that helps you like stay grounded regardless of the context within which you have arrived?
1: You know, it's interesting. I feel like I'm in, um, a strange metamorphosis, uh, or like, um, like a growing pain, you know, like a baby when they're, they're, uh, they're, they're teething. Mm. I feel like I'm in that point right now, just on like a a personal and a creative level. Um, so my ritual right now is just like in transition. Um, I'm one year post, like exactly one year post my first book and I'm already into my second um, collection. And I, there's a lot of things that I'm mediating between those two projects. Uh, And the the grounding right now is a little unstable but I'm fighting my way out of it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure COVID has had like an impact on that on all of us too, right? Yeah. (laughs) How can people find your book? Like oh. where do you recommend that they do it? Because you know we don't want to support Rocket Man, Joyride, Rocket Man, right? So how can we support? How can we find your book? Because I'll um, put it on the website too.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll send you the link, but it's a uh, Co-Conspirator Press. Um, okay. they're the 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 press that I sent my first book to. Uh, right now it's uh sold out, which is a good thing and bad thing because there is a demand, but right now you know. It's just, you know, it's not a corporate machine, you have to, you know, wait on the grace of, of the press. So uh, in November, the, the, the monumental misrememberings, which is my first book will right. go into a reprint, and folks could buy it there.
0: Awesome. I, I love the title monumental miss miss, wait, monumental misrememberings, right? Yeah, yeah. Them
1: from Cara uh, Walker's Bonds Americanus*, uh, which I had the privilege of seeing in London, uh, like right before the pandemic. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. You were there right before in 2020.
1: Yeah, I I caught I caught I'm pretty sure I caught COVID in London in 2019. Oh. So I was <laughs> I was sick as shit. Um, I was super sick, and I had absolutely no uh language or understanding of what it is that my body was going through mm. um and i was you know i was in, i wasn't you know, i was overseas and um now that it happened like three months before the, like everything got shut down and once i saw the symptoms i was like i'm pretty sure i had covid so yeah for sure yeah Awesome.
0: Um, so I wanted to, I have two more questions yeah. and one is I want to read this little bit from the essay just to kind of give you an idea of what I'm saying and get your response to it. And then, um, yeah, and then I'll tell you my last two. Okay. So in this essay, I'm sure you've probably read it or heard of it, but it's called Poetry is Not a Luxury and it's um, Audre Lorde. And she says, in the forefront of our move toward change, there is only poetry to hint at possibility made real which relates to what you were saying about creating our world, right? For there are no new ideas, there are only new ways of making them felt, of examining what those ideas feel like being lived on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m. after brunch, during wild lovemaking, making making war, giving birth, mourning our death, our dead, while we suffer the old longings, battle the old warnings, and fear of being silent and impotent and alone while we taste new possibilities and strengths. Mm. So related to what you said when we first started talking about how it makes the world um, possible, I would love to hear about the, the possible world that you're trying to make, the world you're trying to make possible with your poetry.
1: Mm. You know, um, my, my mentor, Trong Tran, says, you know, um, we don't wake up and, and say, we're going to write an angry poem. Uh, we wake up, we go out into the world, and it just so happens that um, the world infringes upon us so often that when it's time to hit the page, eventually, the rage um, comes out. I mean, in a perfect world, and I, I know this isn't, uh, there's, you know, there, there's no idealism or no ideology that can make this uh, function at this point, at least if that's my opinion. I mean, the perfect world, I'd put down the fight. You know, I, I, I want to go to the sequoias and, and write about trees every day and study the roots and how the trees communicate with each other and the birds that live in the branches and all those things. But um, that would, that would be the world that I fight for or that, you know, every black child wakes up and and gets to be whoever it is that they want to be without the world constantly infringing itself upon you. Um, So That's the ideal world. But I mean, an alternative answer is that everyone have uh, the strength, the grace, um, the knowledge and the community to fight through the struggle.
0: So you've—I know you've mentioned mentioned your professor Tron Trong—and I'm wondering also if you have any other mentors or who's your favorite poet that you're reading right now, or witnessing, or watching. Uh, I mean, I
1: Darius Simpson <laughs> is my favorite poet to witness right now. Um, you know, I'm a, my favorite poet of all time is is Wanda Coleman. She's a Los Angeles poet like me, and I feel like her way of. Uh, Embodying the world is is very inspirational.
0: Sorry, turn that off because I have a barking pit bull. Right. I love very much. Okay, um, so my last uh, question for you really is if there's anything else um, you would like our audience to hear or know, or you want to leave them with. I'm I'm plan to put the ten poets on, and the. Um, Basquiat's revenge and also the denial poem but there's certain words I have to bleep out because of because the- yeah, I costs <laughs> <cuss> too much <laughs> so I just want to warn you that that's going to happen I sent you the unedited version of the recording of each poem so that it wouldn't have to you know so you could have that for whatever you want but I I can't do that on on the on the radio yeah on the right. radio uh, anything I want uh, to leave pe- to people that want that I want people to leave with, yeah, or anything you want our audience to know about about Mimi Tempest or about those three poems or about how the revolution can be poeticized. I mean, rest, yeah,
1: rest, rest and reflect. That's the best you can do for yourself um, and to the the uh, the movement, and know that it is not a
0: a, a perfect thing. It's a process. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I super, I super appreciate it. And, um, and, you know, order your book in November and do the things I'm like, I'm hoping that this will be like a positive experience for you too. And maybe get some like folks getting your book and hearing you, your voice. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you. Totally. Awesome. Have a great Saturday to you all right thanks so much
1: all right bye, bye.